0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. All right, you guys, Tuesday night. We are getting through the week. <laughs> With a smile on our faces. I know. But uh, again, every day we're checking in. We're like, hey, what self-care have I done today or can I do? What acts of joy? Can I fold into my day? That's how we really get through. We kind of sharp, you know, shave down the sharp edges and really build up some resilience. So that's the question. You know, you're doing some self-care, getting some joy in your life every day, build it in. Um, It's how we get a little preventative. But some good stuff happened. Uh, This came out over the weekend. Brianna Taylor, she's the first person to be on the cover of O Magazine without Oprah. So the uh, late 26-year-old's honored on the cover. This is going to be the September issue. It's also going to feature a conversation between Oprah and Taylor's mom. This is definitely going to be heartbreaking. I, My heart hurts every time I hear her name and looking at the photo. Um, oh, God bless. And for those that aren't familiar, she's um, 26. She was 26 when she was murdered, and she was an EMT, and she was uh, shot and killed by police in her home in Kentucky. This was, when was this? March. Man. And uh, so far, none of the police officers have been charged with any crime. You know, it's it's so heartbreaking to look at racism in our culture and police violence, uh, state violence, and you know the the only benefit that we can see is um, we're having these conversations and we're actively making changes. I'm seeing changes happen, and that's the one benefit to come out of this and the passing of people like George Floyd is Black lives being seen as as mattering. Heartbreaking that they weren't and still at times aren't, Also looking at police violence and working more on ending the carceral prison system and defunding the police and putting all of that money into the needed resources to actually create truly macro systemic change. You know, the police system is often about just punishing people that have done wrong or bad, but not looking at what are the conditions that we keep allowing and ignoring that have forced these individuals to need to break the law. And also what are some of the stupid, stupid laws that just punish people of lower means, Um, and also people that are of color or black uh, in our white supremacist culture. Like these threads just loop around and weave around and there's a lot of changes that need to happen and God bless that one. Um, Also in the news, I don't know if you guys saw this, but are you familiar with the fire Festival? So it it can't... (laughs) It was a heavily promoted festival. There's two documentaries on Netflix. They're both amazing. It was a festival, a lot of celebrities and Instagram influencers attached. Basically, tickets were sold and they overpromised. When you showed up after spending a lot of money on this island, it was a hot mess. None of, the, none of what they promised were there. Nothing went off. It was a mess. People were trapped, they were ripped off. They were stuffed in buses, they were living in tents. It was a hot mess. But the standout, Because, you know, in some of these documentaries, there's always like a real zinger. The standout was this guy named Andy King. And basically, he was asked as a joke to maybe perform oral to help someone get something through customs. And he was going to do it. And I love the interview. He's like, I was in my car. I was driving over. I was going to do the oral I needed to do. Long story short, though, he's gay. He's now dating someone 32 years younger. And that is now back in the spotlight. Like he was like a meme because of, you know, what he had said. I mean, he had the best one-liners, but he's dating someone who's 32. Now, the reason why this frustrates me is because again, there's a lot of people out there just looking for love. And love isn't promised based on different factors like how much money someone makes, how tall they are, how large they are, but also how old they are. Not, you know, Chronological age doesn't promise compatibility or chemistry. And so sometimes, yes, finding someone who's a match might mean going outside of an age range that you're comfortable with. And in our culture, people make a lot of assumptions when someone older is dating someone younger. They make a lot of assumptions in each direction that it's a power issue, that the person's immature, like whatever it is, or the other one has daddy issues. None of that's fair, none of that's kind, And none of that's true. Those things can occur, but those can occur in relationships where people are the same age, where they still are acting out problematic dynamics around power and ageism and all that sorts of stuff. So, you know, God bless him. He looks happy. Do your thing, boo. I'm glad you found love. A lot of us are out there trying to do that. And uh, let's not knock someone who's been successful at it, you know? Let's just also look at look at some hometown news for those that don't know i'm a philly boy philly and then i was up in nyu new york and philly's coach and staffers test positive for COVID 19. so basically it's going to stop all the ballpark activities which it should but uh man philly but again this just ties back into the fact that people still aren't following the rules i'm heartbroken constantly seeing pictures of people congregating no masks as i said having set i mean all sorts of stuff it's it's really 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 heartbreaking so we got to get better about that. Like this is still taking people's lives, man. God bless it. But let's go out on a positive note, Barbie. I feel like I report every now and then about Barbie, but it's such an institution and it has such, such a major, massive role in influencing culture and norms and self-esteem building. And they've just been really, (laughs) really great about diversifying in terms of everything. And now they're launching what they call the campaign team. And that's gonna include a black Barbie running for office. I love this. Let's politicize the children. Everything's political. It's okay to let children understand the wider implications of what goes on in our world. And I love that it's going to be a black doll. That's the one running for office. Um, So the new doll set's going to include four diverse dolls with different roles to win the campaign, including a candidate, campaign manager, fundraiser, and a voter. And the quote is to show girls the importance of a political team working together to win. I love that. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about the difference between a midlife crisis and a midlife breakthrough. Because we seek the one, and it's often both of them are pretty misunderstood. Right now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and Radio.com have an easy way that you can help feed local students and their families. Text the word NEED to 76278 to give a buck, and also put food in the mouth of a hungry child and their loved ones. Just $1, it's going to make a big difference. Learn more about Feed Our Families on our socials and at WeAreChannelQ.com. All right, we're back, and uh, question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page in the stories, so weigh in on that, and then we'll be busting on down some DMs, so if you got a question, drop it in uh, the Loveline IG DMs. Okay, so midlife crisis, it's its funny. It's a common archetype or stereotype that we throw around. Usually, usually it's directed at people that are male-identified, And uh, so a male hits his later years, midlife, he's like in his forties and he has a midlife crisis. He cuts his hair, gets an earring, dyes it, gets a, you know, Corvette, maybe becomes single, cheats on his wife. And it's such a, it's such an odd, misunderstood moment. So here's the thing, psychologically, spiritually, the work of the soul, however you want to frame this, there's two phases in our life. Some, some theorists, they've posed three where, you know, the first early, early, early stage is, you know, the parent versus the child. Versus makes it sound very oppositional, but it's about the child really figuring out themselves in relationship to the parent. Leaving that phase out, it's the first phase would then be, you know, you in the world, and then the later phase is you and yourself. So not everyone progresses to the second phase. So some people never have a midlife breakthrough. And that's the thing, is that some people see it as a moment of crisis, when it should really be seen as a moment of breakthrough. And if you reframe that experience, you can actually move into its more transformative, important elements. But if you see it as a breakdown or crisis, well, then you're going to pathologize everything, you might act it out wrong, and you might not move in the direction of what's being called for, because we should hit a point where we enter true adulthood, where we look back at all we've been doing with our time and we decide, is this how I want to continue on with my life? What matters most? What do I want my legacy to be? And that's the that's the goals of the second phase of life. That can happen for some people in their 20s, others in their 60s, some people never. Because remember... The goals are different whether the first phase or the second phase, right? So in the first phase of life, the first half of life, the issues that you need to solve are things are related to your ego, things that are about making you feel yourself, identity, career, materialism. Uh, it's all about like, conformity and security. And I just want to feel comfortable. And I just want to fit in. I just want to feel good about myself. And I want to do what everyone else is doing. So who am I in the world? What's my job? And my identity is tied to my job. And how much money am I making? What kind of things do I have? And I want to, it's about how I look to others. It's about following the rules and playing the game. You know what I mean? And then the second phase is breaking away from all of that. And you're like, none of that matters. It's not how much money I make. It's not what kind of body I have. It's not what kind of car I drive or my career. It's what kind of meaning and purpose do I have? Am I living the life I want to lead? Is my life happy? Does it have value? What kind of legacy am I leaving on this planet? That's that That's that later part. It's you up against yourself. Who do you want to be? And that, and that journey is very uncomfortable. It can be very scary. And that's why people sometimes frame it as, I'm having a breakdown. I'm having a crisis. And it's because a lot of people don't understand what the work is in that moment. And they start thinking it's about the same issues that the first phase were about. And so they still think in those terms, it must be the things I have or the job I have. And those can be elements of it, but it's really a call from your soul, from your psyche to really go into adulthood and say, wait a minute, hold on. Do you like who you are? Do you like the people in your life? Do you like the world you've created? What changes do you need to make? And if you can see it as that, and it's not something you solve in a week or a day or with a weekend workshop, this is why some people enter therapy. They don't even know that that's why, but they come in saying something's off or I'm just not content. I'm not happy. I have everything I should want, but I'm not happy. I've got the gym body and the perfect partner and the car and the job, but I'm miserable. Well, yeah, you're supposed to be at some point that takes you only so far. That is early adolescent goals. That's that's what confidence is built on early in our life. That's ego. Great. Go after that. That is the job and the role and the work of the first part of our lives. But at some point, you hope that your soul, your psyche calls for something more, something deeper, something more powerful. And that's when you really do all those assessments and say, what have I done with myself? What do I want to continue to do? What do I want my legacy to be? And a lot of upheaval can happen during that time when you go on that journey. But you have to decide, like, what do I want to do at that moment? Do I want to even have that moment? Some people never do, but not. And again, that goes back to something we talked about earlier, which is how the life you've created might need to get disrupted or annihilated completely. Sometimes it will mean moving or leaving a relationship or a marriage or completely changing your career, you know, and and saying, like, I deserve better. I deserve more. I deserve to live the life I want. And so... See it from a place of confidence, see it from a place of challenge, it is. It's challenging everything you thought you needed. It's challenging everything you're told you should want. Because again, think about advertising. It's all about telling us we need to consume more. It's consumerism, buy more, work harder, you'll feel, you'll feel great, but it's not about working harder. It's not about buying more. It's about meaning and purpose and value. It's, it's the opposite of those things. It's being content enough where you don't need all that. You stop purchasing, right? And you go internal. And that's where like, I talk again about doing the mental health care stuff at home, reading books that really elicit these conversations and thoughts, talking to friends that you can talk to about these things, journaling, taking assessment of the life you've built, looking at your schedule and your work and saying, is this balanced? Like, what is my life centered around? What's it driven by? What is, the, what is my God? We all have a God. For some, it's the standard God. For others, it's money or it's power. But we all have a God. Who are you praying to? The, the God of consumerism and power, like what is your life centered in? What's your compass? And um, it can change everything and it can be a really scary journey. It's not supposed to be comfortable. You know, all of the different religions and spiritualities have this moment in, in, in Christianity. It's the crucifixion where Jesus had to die for all these changes to happen. In Buddhism, we talk about non-attachment. Pema Chodron, the American Buddhist nun, talks about everything getting annihilated and starting over. Richard Rohr, who's a Christian, talks about the crucifixion as that moment. We all have to have a death. Um, Even in Jungian depth psychology, uh, Hillman and Hollis talk about that moment, that dark moment where you have to have a death. And that change and growth only comes from the death of all that you thought you were and that you needed. It's a really beautiful moment. So it's not a midlife crisis. It is if you don't know how to really frame it and what the work is and what's being asked. Um, it can become a breakthrough and lead to some really profound things if you direct it appropriately. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to be talking about, uh, Madonna. (laughs) That's right. You got to stick around to find out why you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night. It's up on our Loveline IG page, and then we'll be doing some DMs. But we're going to talk about uh, Madonna. Now, for many people in the LGBTQIA community, she was, depending on your generation, she was everything. You know, when I was in grade school, she was the only figure we had that was breaking boundaries, pushing back on sexism, and also that was truly sex positive. Now, it, it's everywhere. I, I see it in a lot of the, um, you know, celebrities and whatnot. But Madonna was groundbreaking. She was really, really, really helpful for a lot of people finding themselves, finding community, connecting. Um But she hasn't necessarily held up in terms of her politics. She was known early on, very early on, for being one of the few, if not the only musician that was famous, um, that was talking about things like HIV and safer sex practices. And she was promoting um, the LGBTQA community. She was definitely a Black ally and supported people of color. I mean, really amazing, amazing stuff. But um, I'm not really quite sure what's been happening recently, <laughs> but she's kind of gotten some attention. And again, this, this segment's not about her as much as, it's about just looking at what's going on in her current moment. now. It's going back and forth, but essentially, Dr. Fauci and the CDC, uh, I believe, are among the best resources for getting accurate and competent information about COVID, the COVID-19 crisis. But there's a lot of people that are challenging that, including the current administration and Donald Trump, and they're really getting in the way of that. Now, Madonna has been involved in small ways, right, because she was doing like something like the Corona Diaries or something like that on her, on her socials. Well, I, this whole thing is so wild to me. So basically, uh, Donald Trump and his son, they both uh, promoted a video. And this video had, um, where's her name? Doctor Stella Emanuel, and she's a member of some crappy, messy group called America's Frontline Doctors, God bless. And she was on the front steps of the Supreme Court and basically she was saying that masks nor shutdowns are required to fight the pandemic. Now, this woman is is not to be listened to, right? She's problematic from the door because we do know that in fact masks are needed, shutdowns are required, and that is how we will flatten the curve and really work against the pandemic. Most likely though, because people won't follow the rules, it's gonna to have to be a vaccine. But basically she also started pushing Again, God bless it. Those unsubstantiated claims that hydrochloroquine is a cure for COVID. Uh, we know that that's not accurate at all. That's been debunked by anyone of any relevance or competence. But Madonna basically posted it, calling, her, calling this doctor her hero. And that's because Madonna's one of those people who's bought into some of the... Um, the conspiracy theories. Now, look, I'm not pro or against conspiracy theories because I think that there is a lot to be said. I do believe that we do allow too much power to be given to people with money and that they do have access to research and understanding and data that we don't. So I don't disagree that those elements aren't there, but she really kind of went off on a tangent. A lot of people are upset that someone with a big, you know, a big platform like Madonna, who people do listen to, much like the president, that they're both supporting and calling their hero the work of someone who is really really scary and problematic. Now, if you haven't done the deeper dive because I don't know, you're not really following the news and that's okay, let me share with you some of the other things that this quote-unquote doctor has been putting out there. It's quite shocking. So she's she's claimed that DNA from space aliens is used in modern medicine. Huh, maybe. Who knows. Also, that generational curses can be passed through the placenta. Um, who knows? <laughs> I mean, we do know that there's the intergenerational transmission psychologically of trauma. So that that part's actually real. We do know with epigenetics that our genetic code is impacted by the behavioral decisions of generations before us. So there's there's like little threads of logic in this, but not in the way she's talking about it. DNA from space aliens, I'm not so sure. Generational curses coming through the placenta. I don't know about all that. It also says that many gynecological issues such as endometriosis, infertility miscarriages, STIs, that they're the result of having had sex with witches and demons in dreams. Look, I'm all about having sex with witches and demons. That sounds hot, but I don't believe that they're going to create all those STIs and miscarriages. I think that that's a little thrown off. So that you got to question the source, right? There's a lot of made up uh, uh, titles, even in my field. There's a lot of people that are making up self, self-ordained self titles to be an expert in my field, and they have no clinical experience, they have no research, they have no supervision, uh, they haven't studied. That's the world we live in, right? So buyer beware. You need to do your research and ask questions. Um, but having said that, you know the issue is when we have our president and his son and people like Madonna... Promoting these people positively, that might make some people buy in or reconsider whatever they might have been challenging. And that's scary because we're talking directly about something like COVID, which is killing people. Like To me, it's a no-brainer. And in fact, we do know that social distancing masks and shutdowns are the only thing that has been shown thus far to have a beneficial and positive uh, impact. And so we do need to do that. So please marvel at the ridiculousness in this. Please do not buy into this stuff. And please let it be a, a, a lesson in you know media training and media literacy, which is just because something's said or printed or reposted by someone famous with a lot of followers, that far from makes it real, true, or healthy. But we do believe that someone has a lot of following and a large following and they're saying something, we tend to buy in. That's why it's so dangerous that we have the president we have saying the things he's saying, right? So anyway, all right, y'all. Coming up next, D-U-M-S, listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. all right y'all we're back now time for some dms sliding into the dms sliding into the dms is brought to you by our friends at trojan condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence all right this one asks hey dr chris i recently found a secret account that my son has where he promotes gay materials and other things i have no problem with him being gay What I have a problem with is this lack of concern for safety. Some of the things are explicit. But my husband said we can't talk to him until he comes to us about it, but I want to confront him. What should I do? So um, I guess I'm unclear. Uh, Your son is openly gay, and you know he's gay, and he knows you know he's gay, but what isn't known is that you've stumbled upon these accounts? So much in this. Some people have said to me, hey, I know my child is gay, and I want to talk to him about it, and sometimes they don't know. It's it's They're assuming based on a lot of factors. And so I always say, listen, listen, listen. Let someone come to you because they might not be in a place where they're ready or confident enough to discuss, um, et cetera, et cetera. So you're not helping them along by making them uncomfortable and not having good boundaries and like forcing them to confront something with you, right? Uh, we want people to do things on their time. That's mental health, right? They'll let them be where they are. What you can do is create conditions around which they feel safe talking to you. So if you think your child's gay or you know they are and you want them to tell you, start to make sure you're you're discussing, start to make sure that you are presenting as someone who can be approached about things. Start building intimacy and closeness on other levels so that they feel close and connected to you. If someone doesn't have an honest, intimate relationship with you, you can't expect them to come to you honestly in an intimate way about anything. So start doing the generalized work first. Also start just being positive about diversity and creativity in terms of gender and sexuality, uh, talking positively about the existence of the thi- of these things and talking positively about seeing them in the world and in songs and on TV and in celebrities and build a kind of family where no one has to come out of the closet because there is no closet. It's not assumed that everyone's straight or cisgendered until told otherwise. Make it so open and comfortable that they can just casually tell you or casually bring you into their journey of questioning and exploration. You know, Now, as far as what you found, I want every parent Whether they've found this or not, to talk to their kids about safety. So that's your entry point. You don't need to let them know that you have really bad boundaries and that you, you know, stumbled, went through their stuff, because I'm hoping that's not the case, because that's called childism. And that's violence against children. When you think that as a child, they don't have a right to boundaries or privacy, they do. That's called respect. But you know, I want all parents to talk to their kids about safety. So it doesn't need to be, I'm talking to you about this because of what I found. Just have the general conversation. Listen, we live in a world where people have, are posting and sharing all sorts of information and pictures and I wanted to just talk to you about how to be safe about doing that because I know that that's happening with a lot of people. Everyone should be talking to their kids about this. Kids are introduced to porn. We gotta be able to talk about that. Uh, Sexting, that is now a part of dating and courtship. So whether or not you know that that's happening, talk to your kids about the fact that it does sometimes, and the risks, and how to do these things safely if they're gonna choose to engage in these things. It's called harm reduction. It's not giving permission to do things, but it's recognizing that things are gonna happen, and you want your kids to be prepared in a safe way to do what they might be choosing to do and that you can't control their behavior. We don't want kids to drink when they're underage, but we know that that might happen. Knowing that that might happen, talked about how to be safe about it. We don't want our kids driving while texting, but we know that that does sometimes happen. So knowing that that is possible, we talked about how to not do that, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This falls under that. So you do want to just talk about how to be safe. I don't know what you are directly talking about when you said sharing material, and safety, but have that general conversation with everyone, all parents should. We all need to be in that, you know? So that's not necessarily something just specific. And as you're realizing, you wanna have things discussed ahead of time before it happens, right? But again, that just circles back to what I was saying earlier, which is the best way to have difficult conversations or to trust that our child will engage us in them is to just start building that kind of relationship in general about other things. Let them know that we are approachable. We're not going to yell at you. We're not going to punish you. We're going to be open to listening and hearing, and we'll guide you. We're not going to judge. Like you can, you can start that from birth. Do that. Let your kids know that you respect them and talk about how to reduce harm as much as possible because kids are going to do what kids do. And it's not about permission giving. Again, it's about preparing them with ways to be safe. Slime the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. We want you to explore with confidence. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a guy who rejected 150 single eligible women. How does that happen? <laughs> Why does that happen? We're going to be talking about it listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Question of the night. As always, it's up on our Loveland IG page. So, weighing on that bad boy, we'll be breaking that on down later in the show. And then sliding in those DMs. Um, All right, so I got an interesting story for you. So, dating reality shows. There are so many. Every time I think I've heard of them all, there's a couple more that pop up. They're doing really well. And uh, I've watched none of them. Uh, (laughs) I'm not the the target audience or population. I I just don't enjoy watching them because it's a lot of... Uh it's a lot of messiness. It's a lot of the reinforcing of some of the problematic things that people are in my office healing from or trying to be better about. But there's a new one. <clears throat> I don't know if y'all have seen it's on Netflix called Indian Matchmaking. Now uh, it's in the headlines a little bit for a couple reasons. One of them bums me out, another one's just more curiosity. But um basically it, 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 the question was asked: Is this person it's a heterosexual show? And they were saying, Maybe the dude's gay. And it's funny that that becomes a a way to make sense of something that isn't making sense to us otherwise. So, So hear it out. So he goes on the show and he's like, okay, I'm a designer. I'm an artist. Who knows his exact reasoning? Maybe he was open to love. Maybe he wanted the fame. Because, you know, some people build entire careers off of having been on a reality show. Usually in order to do so, you have to be the biggest mess. So God bless that. Side note, people that try to build a career on having been on a reality show, there are so many people now that there's not enough space for all of them because- I saw this early on when the real world and road rules were happening here in LA where people were would go on those shows and they'd get notoriety for being on there and they were too, too famous to just fall back into basic society and the jobs they maybe had before but not famous enough or talented enough to then release an album or be in films or whatnot. So they kind of lived in a limbo and a lot of them, I'd see them making smoothies at my local smoothie shop, working the front desk at my gym and those are great jobs. There's nothing wrong with that. My point being is that they had entered the reality show though thinking that they were gonna continue want their fame. And that's not what happens. And it happens even less now because there are so many people trying to be on all these reality shows and there's so many. So it still works for some people. So that's what this guy was trying to do. Maybe, I don't know. I'm inserting that. And the real question was coming from the fact that he had rejected 150 people. Yes. that That's a zinger. Sit with that. You know, this, this Indian matchmaker had set him up this this is fascinating i need more details but he had rejected over 150 women that were presented to him now clearly he did not go on 150 dates i can't imagine how that could even be possible but in some form they were they were uh brought to him and he rejected all them right now there's a lot to say about just that part before we get to like the, the the bigger issue that people had you know again a lot of people get in their own way and keep themselves single by having an ego wish list which is essentially what a lot of people's deal breakers and criteria is rooted in. Their ego. What what do I what attributes does my partner need to have so my self esteem can be intact? What attributes must my partner have potentially so that they can fill in the gaps of the parts of my self-esteem that I can't really deal with on my own. Because that's what happens when they talk about, oh, you know, my partner needs to be a certain height. No, they don't. They absolutely don't. Their height has nothing to do with anything. Oh, wait a minute. It has to do with your your self-worth and level of confidence. If you're female presenting and they're taller and they're shorter than you, what will that feel like? But none of these things actually matter. That's your ego and your self-confidence getting challenged there and looking for these things, how much money they need to make. You don't know what kind of partner they'll be based on their height or how much money they'll make, but yet people have things like that. They need to make a certain amount of money really in, in, so that they can what? Cause that doesn't speak to their level of trust or their care or their love. And so when I hear people rejecting that many people, 150, I'm going to have to think (laughs) that your assessment or whatever your barometer is, is maybe what the problem is. It's not that you're not meeting eligible people, 150 of them. It might be the way you're assessing them. Your assessment system is dysfunctional. Uh, because that's a large number of people. And so the, the larger learning lesson is ask yourself the things that I'm looking for or what I'm holding people accountable to, is that even real and reasonable things like their height, which has nothing to do with anything about how they'll be as a person or a partner, how much money they make all different factors like that. Like even things about maybe religious beliefs, like how much of that do you want to buy into now, what really bummed me out was because people couldn't assess it in that way. They went right to maybe he's gay. Like, really, that's where you went, that he might be just gay and either unaware or not acknowledging that. And that's why he couldn't find a match in 150 people. It's not that we live in a culture that really problematically has us assess people and dehumanizes them. And that dating app culture has led us to see people as objects And not actual human beings that we spend time with and assess compatibility and chemistry with. Maybe he's just gay. That's such a lazy assessment and it bums me out because there's so much homophobia in that. Or maybe he's just bi. So he came out saying, no, that's not the case. Um, I entered the show and it just wasn't, I wasn't meeting anyone I was interested in. Okay, we'll go with that. But um, it was just interesting that people were like, oh, maybe he's gay. And then they were bringing forward some of the pictures he had posed in from his Instagram to confirm that oh my God, you cannot assess someone's sexual orientation based on photos they've posted on their Instagram. Like dear God in heaven, y'all, come on, that's homophobia. Let's do better than that. Uh, all right, coming up next, we're going to talk about a new study kind of broke my heart. And it was talking about the high number of people that do have possible symptoms of COVID, but don't disclose it when hooking up with someone right now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and Radio.com have an easy way for you to help feed local students and their families. Text the word NEED to 76278 to give a buck and put food in the mouth of a hungry kid and their loved ones. Just $1 to make a big difference. Learn more about Feed Our Families on our socials and at WeAreChannelQ.com. All right, we're back. And uh, now it's time to uh, break your hearts and challenge all faith we have in humanity. Yep, this is one of those stories. This is really heartbreaking. And here's the headline. Vast majority of gay and bi men kept COVID-19 symptoms hidden from sex partners. Okay. (laughs) All right, here we go. This is really going to hurt you. So basically, this was a large study. This was done on 750 gay and bisexual men in the U.S., here we go, A4. This is really heartbreaking. So the vast majority um, said that they did want to know about a partner's sexual behavior prior to hooking up. Okay, cool. That makes sense, right? A lot. The majority said, yeah, you know, if I'm about to have sex with someone, I, I do want to know, you know, what level of risk and what kind of behaviors they've engaged in. However, having said that, the vast majority also said that they would not tell a sexual partner about any COVID-19 symptoms or even a positive COVID test result. You guys, I was able to at least understand the, is this a symptom, is it not? Because again, cold, flu, allergies, I'm not sure, don't want to sound the alarm. But I would still think you might share so they can make what we call, again, informed consent. Again, let's reiterate this. It's not just about consent. Like, hey, I'm not going to force sex on you. Are you interested in sex? It's also informed consent. People cannot consent if they don't know what they're consenting to. And that means if they don't know what they're coming in contact with, they can't consent. It's like hiding something in someone's food. They couldn't say, yes, I want that on the menu if they weren't aware of everything that was going to be in the food. That's why we list the ingredients. And, and if you lie or dodge it, you're manipulating and mis, mis, you know, misleading someone. So you know, 11% of those 750, 11% said that they'd experienced flu-like illness during the timeframe of a study. Okay, whatevs. But less than half of them, 39%, shared this with their partners. Less than half shared it with their partners. So let's go with 40%. 40% were like, oh, here, heads up. 61% kept it a total secret. That is heartbreaking. We have so much work to do when I hear things like that, okay? We talk about this all the time, sexual health, It involves informed consent, letting people know what you're putting putting them at risk for before they have sex with you. Yes, that is your job. It is your job to care for others. I don't agree. Uh, Here's what I always say. I say to people, whoever's in front of me, I'll say to them two things. Number one, it is your job to inform others what they're coming in contact with okay? Because I want you to care about how you impact others. That's relational and sexual health. That is being ethical. That's ethical dating and ethical sex. Okay. I also say it's also your job to ask questions about your potential partner because they might not be taking responsibility like I'm making you take responsibility about disclosing. So you need to disclose and also ask, hi, have you come in contact with dot, dot, dot? Hi, what symptoms might you have had that are COVID? Hi, have you been tested for STDs, STIs? When was last time? What was your Behavior like since then. Same thing with COVID. You need to ask. Don't assume people will tell you. As the study showed, 60 plus percent didn't. And they had even some of them gotten positive tests and still didn't, which is also why I'm telling people don't be hooking up and partaking in sex right now. We're not, we can't even trust people. We can't trust people because number one, there's a stigma attached to. COVID and STDs and STIs, we can't necessarily trust people because people aren't getting tested. We can't necessarily trust people because they're confusing, excuse me, symptoms with the flu and a cold and allergies. It's a mess. And there's a lot to sort through. And I'm seeing studies of uh, studies and also people I know saying it took for some over a week to get COVID results back, which means those results are useless, they're useless. Just like your STD tests are useless once you've had sex with people since then. The COVID thing's the same thing. What about what, everything they've done since they took that test waiting for the results? All of that matters. So there's a huge, huge constellation of question marks. And that's why I'm telling people be safe. And right now that means being very thoughtful about any engagement you have with someone that doesn't involve distancing in a mask. We have to. Over 60%, that's really heartbreaking. Now again, that is extreme narcissism. That's even some sociopathy where you are not having empathy or caring about how you impact others. That's horrible to possibly give someone a life-threatening illness like COVID that they can remember, not just themselves maybe die from or struggle with. And even if they don't die, dealing with that, that ongoing um, infection is heinous, but they also are maybe bringing it and infecting others, the widespread of it right? So it's not just you thinking about yourself. It's not just you and the partner. It's the wider world of people that they're coming in contact with and maybe are are at risk. Heartbreaking, heartbreaking stuff. Now, again, this study was done on gay and bisexual men. So I don't know what the heterosexual stats are. Um, and again, it does matter, right? Because assessing, uh, the impact of someone's answers based on their race or socioeconomics, their sexual orientation, that, that does change. And that doesn't mean it's applicable to everyone. So yes, research done on gay, bisexual men does not necessarily mean you can apply that to straight men. And also I wonder what the race was of these people. Um, were they white? Were they black? Because you, you do need to fold in race. How does race intersect with the outcomes and answers to the study? So don't just apply to anyone, but that was heartbreaking. I did not expect to see that. That was a little bit of a shocker. So again, tagline is ask a lot of questions um and you hope for the best i don't know right now i'm advocating again like i said for people to follow public health rules which are we are not exchanging saliva we are not within six feet of closeness we are using sexting and other methods if we have to be with them we're coming up with barriers etc etc but um bless you guys you're breaking my heart okay question of the night it is coming up next that is up on our love line e g page and also on thursdays 5 p.m pacific 8 p.m eastern my show i'm listening live Celebrities, experts talk about the intersections of mental health and COVID, always centering it in self-care and normalizing and destigmatizing mental health and discussing it. And if you want to check out old episodes, you can do so by going to all the radio.com handles. That's the radio.com. What is it? Twitter facebook and youtube page it's good stuff i'm proud of it every week and then as, of course love line podcasted radio.com and uh, we are channel q you can bin share post all the old episodes and uh slide on in those dms ask me your questions question of the night coming up next you're listening to love line with dr chris on the new channel q and on radio.com all righty we're back time for question of the night which as always is found on our love line ig page in the stories good stuff y'all so tonight's question was describe 2020 using a song title ah it's gonna get good first person said work from home by fifth harmony all right (laughs) uh i don't know that song but uh (laughs) It's definitely, that's, that's where I'm at right now. So I appreciate that one. Again, question of the night is describe 2020 using a song. I'm sure I'm not going to know most of these. Someone else said shake that monkey since there was just an earthquake. There was. Uh, so for those that are in California last week, um, we had an earthquake. And uh, often that means that there's going to be more. So just having had one means we're, we're, we're still in it. Um, 2020 question, I'm sorry. Question is 2020 using a song title, describe it, please. I'm sorry. Quickly about the earthquake thing. No more. Like, can we not add a massive California earthquake to the list of all the things happening in 2020? Thank you. And shake that monkey. I don't know who that is, but I'm going to Google it because I already love the song. Somebody else said, as far as describing 2020 with the song title, someone said transform by Daniel Caesar. You guys, I don't know these musicians or bands. (laughs) My God, I don't know one that this one either. Twenty Twenty is a song title, La facile the difficult one, by Bad Bunny. Okay, now I do know who that is. Not familiar with his music per se, but I do know him. I think he was also on the cover of Playboy. He's—I don't think he's the first male, or maybe he is. Anyway yeah bad bunny sexy guy 2020 describing it song title somebody else said every day is the same by nine inch nails okay first off nine inch nails is one of my all-time favorite bands grew up on them trent reznor was like a god to me and my friends when we were in high school i saw so many shows of theirs uh and also for those that aren't familiar he's now a, a song composer for soundtracks for movies Really beautiful atmospheric stuff. Very dark and like very complex and layered and like heavy. It's really stunning though. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor, choke it out. Somebody else said a 2020 song uh, or song described 2020 (laughs) from a distance by Bette Midler. Oh, yes, I remember that one. My mom used to play that song endlessly from a distance. Yeah, yeah, everything's from a distance. I know, literally the social distancing, but even our future, even for some their mental health, it feels just a little bit out of reach. Hang in there. We can get it. Somebody else said, as far as 2020 in a song, it would be, I want to be free by Prince. Huge Prince fan. Not so much so that I know that song, though. I want to be free by Prince. Yeah, I cannot place that. This is basically a list of songs I'm gonna go back and check out though. So all those that are participating, trust me, you, you knock on un, 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 unnoticed. Describing 2020 using a song title. Someone else said, Eye of the Tiger. Not to Tiger King. Okay, see, so I see what you did there. So Eye of the Tiger. Do we all know that song? I and mean, there was a song from the 80s? Uh, like it was like one of those pump up, motivate pregame kind of songs, you know, at sporting events as well. And of course, Tiger King has to find its way in anything with the word tiger now is like Tiger King associated. You never know what's going to hit hard. And that bad boy did. I, I, I think they're coming out with a second season, probably movie on the way. I don't know. I think I'm kind of done. I think I got what I got out of that. I don't think I need any more. You know, some things are just good left as they are kind of like how now they're trying to revamp all TV shows. Like everything's coming back and it's like, no, it's not. It's not the same show, different writers, producers, directors, actors, uh, storylines like, huh? Anyway, I digress. Uh, question of the night, which is up on our love on a G page in the story. The question was Describe 2020 using a song title. Someone else said all by myself. Now, do you mean that old school 90s song that like really slow, heartbreaking one that people would like play as they're going through a breakup with their friends? Is that the one you mean? Cause maybe there's like a really popular one that I don't know. Uh, question of the night. Describe 2020 using a song title. Somebody said if I could turn back time. All right. That's some Share. Y'all know that? Y'all know Share. I don't know a lot of Share songs, but I definitely know that one. But if I could turn back time. That bad boy's like that's iconic. I don't know what I'd go back to though. I mean, last year was a better year, right? We had movement, our jobs, <laughs> financial security, most of us, some of us, at least a little bit more so. It's been a rough year. Uh, let's see. Question night. On our level page in the stories, describe 2020 using a song title. This person said, Thank you next. <sighs> I know. But that's why when someone Brent brought up the earthquake of last week, I was like, no more. Let's leave that behind us. It woke us all up. There's two. There's actually two of them, a couple hours apart. Uh thank you next is correct. No more, y'all. Um, way too much happened this year. This is y'all know we are living through a moment of history. Like this is history. This is gonna be discussed when we're Even older, talking to uh, younger ones and our kids. Remember? Remember 2020? Remember, you know, the, the powerful movement that was happening, but also the quarantine? Remember when? Oh, yeah. God bless it. All right, y'all, thanks to all those that participated. I always love the question of the night. It helps me get to know y'all better. And then I, although I don't mention the names of the person giving the answers, I see the name. And so I start to get very familiar with people's personalities. And I'm like, ah, yes, so and so being like so and so. So anyway, do know that we're paying attention. Coming up next, though, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. As always, if you guys have any questions for me, uh, put them in the DMs. It's always anonymous, confidential, won't be blowing up your spot. No one will know it's you. You can change the wording, change the names, but uh, it's a good place to get your questions answered. Y'all learn a little bit something from it. All right, y'all, you're listening to Loveline. With Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, y'all, it's that time. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world. And we want you to explore the confidence. Here's this question. So Today's question is, hey, Dr. Chris, my girlfriend moved in since the beginning of quarantine, but we were only dating for like six months. I've noticed things about her that I don't like, like at all, and I feel bad kicking her out. But what can I do? I woke up unhappy and this is ultimately toxic for me. Bam. I mean, so let me do the uh, due diligence and talk you through the front end. Uh, I'm not trying to talk you out of what you just said, but I just, you know, we're all listening and I want everyone to learn from this. Remember, we're in quarantine. We are dealing with people in ways that might not be honest for who they are or what we would co-create as a couple, right? We don't have fun accessible to us. Some of us, we don't have... Uh, financial security or jobs. Like in the normal world, we aren't seeing each other all day long around the clock nonstop because we're going to work or we're working or we're going to the gym or going grocery shopping. We're seeing a friend and we have all these buffers and other things that give us pleasure and we can do things on the weekend and all sorts of stuff. And so I, I want people, you know, again, it's both, right? On one hand, everything we're doing right now does matter. It does matter. But the other hand, I'm saying, let things go a little bit. Let let things be a little lighter, like hang in there a little bit longer. It's quarantine. Things are really tough, Uh, again, financial security, job insecurity. We're not, you know, people are learning how to encounter their bodies differently, Uh, coping mechanisms, like the relationship to drugs and alcohol and food. Like there's so much going on. It's not just as simple as this is who you are. This is who I am. Is this working? right? And yet at the same time, we do have to take all that into account. So I want us to all be a little kinder on ourselves and others, but especially on our relationship, right? So it's twofold for me. On one hand, it's either, look, if it's not that bad, hang in there. See what can happen. Have those difficult conversations about what needs to change. Like, Because that's my question. Have you done that? Have you said, hey, listen, I need this, that, or the other thing. Uh, I need to set some different boundaries. I need a little more alone time or some space at times or whatever it is. See, See what's possible, right? But You did say, uh, I'm unhappy, it's toxic for me, so I'm gonna trust that. And having said that, my response is gonna be, um, you feel bad kicking her out, but if it's toxic for you, it's toxic for her. Let me say that again anything that's toxic or bad or not working for you is bad for them. And what I mean by that is you are going to be relating to them, treating them, dating them, living with them from a place of anger and resentment. That's not good for them. I don't want them to be living in a hostile environment or a negative environment because they're making you unhappy and you're not willing to speak up about what you need or to ask them to move out. But um, it's okay to ask someone to move out during quarantine. Why? Because you can still move out during quarantine. There are tons of places to be rented. There are tons of landlords that want to rent. So, So yeah, ask them to move out. That's what happens when someone moves in with you. They are running the risk of being asked to move out. That is part of that. And I wish people would acknowledge that. Hey, we're going to move in together. That's really exciting. It sounds super great. I think it'll be fun. And also, I promise to let you know if it's not working for me so we can move you out and find something healthier for you. Like that should be the follow-up. And if you're moving in with someone, throw that in there. Hey, if things aren't working out for you, please, out of respect, just come address it with me so we can see what changes we can make so it can work. And if that doesn't work and you feel like you need me to move out, please lovingly let me know so I can happily move out so we don't end this hating each other because that's not the goal either. And I want people to leave as friends and feeling good. So set yourself up for success. Have that conversation. Acknowledge that. Unfortunately, that could happen and we'll both acknowledge it and act like adults and deal with it, but it's okay to ask someone to move out if it's not working during quarantine. There are places to go. Things are available. People are renting. I know tons of people that due to housing issues are moving, shifting. You know That is life. Life has to continue in that way. Do not feel bad. You are worth feeling comfortable, but guess what? So are they. And as I said, it does them nothing good and it's bad for them to be with someone that doesn't want to be with them. And more importantly, healthy people don't want to be in a relationship that someone doesn't want to be in, right? So end it. As long as you know that you also, though, have done the adult thing of out of respect, sat down saying this is what's working or not working and the changes that need to come. Because that's meaningful to me. Because I hope you can be friends beyond this. And that's why you end things before they're horrible so friendship can still remain. And hopefully when you lovingly go to this person and say this isn't working, I need you to move out, they'll say thank you for telling me that. Thank you for telling me that and not just hating me or snubbing me or being mean to me or acting it out or whatever. Um, I'll move, you know, or can we talk about what's not working, whatever it is. Sliding in the DMS is brought to you by our friends at Trojan condoms because it's a big old sex world and we want you to explore with confidence tomorrow's show. I'm super stoked for this. We're going to talk about the top things that men have insecurities around. Ah, uh, yes. Why do we need to know about that? Well, cause we got work to do and we also just don't want to be bad for some. We don't want to trigger them. You know, it's health y'all. Uh, question of the night, as always, it's up on our love on IG page. So go into those stories and weigh in on that. And if you got a question for me, drop it on in those DMS cause I'm always sliding in there. But, um, that's our show y'all thanks for hanging out with me and you guys have a beautiful beautiful night